Welcome into another Wednesday edition, Froggy Wednesdays on the Stripe Show podcast. And I'm telling you, the FedEx Cup playoffs, no matter how long it takes to get it in, it is going to happen. We had a, uh, a long week at the Northern Trust right outside of uh, New York City and Jersey City. And we are joined by one of the guys that if you've watched enough golf, you always see him standing there on the 18th green. You've seen him on the Golf Channel. He's got his own nickname that was given to him by the greatest golfer of all time. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much, Steve Sands. Welcome into the podcast. I mean, it's not froggy, but, you know, we'll take it. No <laughs> I don't know. You know, I mean, did did Tiger give you that nickname? Is he the first guy to ever call you that? Or you've been called that before? Oh, I've been called it by, you know, high school friends, college friends, guys I've met, you know, through the years. But when you're the most famous athlete on the planet. Right. And whenever you play, the most eyeballs are watching you. And I just happen to be the dope who runs out there to talk to him on the 18th green after a win or talk to him in the scoring area after um, I've come down from the booth of the tower to talk to him in the scoring area after he's finished a round. And he finishes every single <laughs> every single interview by calling you something. It's, it's bound to stick because th- that guy – uh he doesn't just move the needle froggy he is the needle so uh you know all credit to him it has nothing to do with me that that has everything to do with with tiger woods i definitely want to get into uh tiger talk here in the podcast because i know you have been a part of and seen so many monumental tiger moments you were there for 80 uh you were there for 82 so i I know that you've got some amazing tiger stories you got he really seems to you, you can just tell when he's in an interview with somebody that he trusts, that he has a good has a good rapport with, you can see it, and uh, so I, that's why it, he always seems much more comfortable doing an interview with you. And so you know, we always seem to get a little bit more out of him than the one word answers, just trying to get away from somebody when you're talking to him. Well, that's nice of you to say. It's uh, you know, look, I I think that the most important thing that that we do for a living is have an understanding as a sportscaster that you are the conduit between the audience and the athlete slash competition. And if we think that we are part of it, you know, we're wrong. We are not part of it. It's about the athletes. It's about the competition. It's about the audience enjoying whatever they're watching or maybe not enjoying, depending on who you're rooting for uh, in team sports or individual sports. But, uh, you know, look, I've always thought that, we as as whether I'm in the booth in the tower or especially down on the ground talking to the guys, um, I've always had a a hundred percent understanding that it is about them. Uh, it's not about us. We are just clowns in the circus. <laughs> and you know, it's it's great to be a part of it. It's great to be involved in it. It's great to be inside the ropes. Um, but if you don't gain that trust from an athlete, if you don't have that comfort factor from an athlete it's going to come across. It's going to come across whether you're just walking the reins, talking to guys, uh, walking around the golf course, trying to do your homework and do your, do your stuff before the event goes on the air. Uh, but then on the air, Froggy, it's most notable. If, if a guy trusts you, uh, you can tend to go places with him uh, as an athlete and, and make him feel comfortable if you're asking a question in the correct manner, whether it's a difficult one or an easy one for that matter. You know, athletes want to be asked good questions. You know, they, they don't want to just be thrown layups all the time. And uh, they're extraordinary at what they do. Uh, and I always have felt that they uh, are at their best when they're treated uh, in an ordinary fashion, as long as they trust you. So it's, uh, it's a credit to them, not, not to me, as far as the comfort level. Because if they don't let you in, especially someone in the, in the world of Tiger Woods, right. if they don't let you in, Froggy, uh, then you have no chance. It has a lot to do with you. I understand that. It's very nice of you to say those things. But if they don't have the trust from their side, then none of this is going to happen. Yeah, I mean, you can tell when Tiger talks to somebody that the people that are generally right on the top of my head that I think of are some of the best that he seems the most comfortable with are you, uh, Roger Malpe, and Tom Rinaldi. Really seem to be able to have a, a, um, a relationship with him that makes him feel comfortable and you seem to get a little, little bit more out of him, which is great as a viewer, because that's exactly what I want. When the round's over, I want to, I, I want those questions answered. I'm so interested and I've, you know, invested, you know, hours watching this and you're so into it that it's great to get real true answers out of him rather than just some fluff piece. And you just get like a two word answer and it's over. But, um, by the, the first way, we, leg- come at the, we come at those from completely different perspectives. Roger Maltby was a tremendous player on the PGA tour 
right. has respect of all the guys out there because of all he's accomplished in right. the game. Tom Rinaldi makes everybody cry just saying hello to him. So, you know, that's a that's a gift that he's had uh, his whole life. As one You're of in good company. <laughs> well, and, you know, I'm just a sports guy uh, just asking questions that I think fans want to hear. Yeah, I mean, you're in good company. So uh, the first leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs in the book, it really was a crazy week. It felt like we were never going to get that tournament finished with the storm that came in. Tour did a great job of getting that golf course ready. After nine inches of rain, I was shocked to see how dry the golf course played on Monday for that final round. Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, you know, they got, I don't want to get into the agronomy part of it because I'm not an agronomist, Froggy, but, you know, it's a sand-based golf course, so they had a little bit of an advantage there. Uh, calling play on Sunday, being able to get out there, uh, that crew, that staff uh, did an amazing job um, of getting that course prepared. And you know what? They're the best in the world. You know, they're the best players in the world. It's the best league in the world, the best officials in the world, <laughs> and the best agronomists in the world. And then the staff that comes together for these events, uh, Froggy, it's amazing what happens uh, behind the scenes. They don't get enough credit. Uh, for what takes place week in, week out. And, and this past week was a perfect example. And thank goodness they finished on Monday. If, if they would have gone into Tuesday, uh, I think what Jay Monahan did from the PGA Tour was 100% correct. It's a FedEx Cup event, uh, playoff event. You've got to finish 72 holes. You can't revert back to 54 and not let these guys have a sprint to the finish. Look at what happened. Uh, it wasn't right. just John Rahm uh, getting handed a victory from 54 holes. Tony Finau and Cam Smith had to go out and earn it in a playoff, John Rahm had to hit some shots down the stretch to try to get into that playoff. So, you know, kudos to everybody uh, who got that thing finished. And thankfully they did because a Tuesday finish uh, on the PGA tour is, is something that everyone wants to avoid. It, it spills into the next week. Uh, it gets really tricky for logistics and pro-ams and, and travel and the next week's sponsor and the next week's golf course, all the money they put into it. Um, volunteers from the, you know, Monday, Tuesday, trying to get these guys around to finish an event. Uh, so I'm happy that they were able to get that done. It was cool. Yeah. And it was worth the wait. We finally get yeah. uh, Tony, Tony fee now gets back into the winner's circle. And some people say it's his first real PGA tour victory. I know he won uh, before on an, on an off event, a B event, but to really finish the way he did to finish in that playoff and hit amazing shots, shot five under on the back nine in regulation and then goes up. And I know the pressure, but listen, he, he still hit the first tee shot, which, which he had to hit first. And then uh, I know Cam Smith knocked it out of bounds, but it was unbelievable to see Tony get that victory. And I know you've interviewed Tony a ton of times and it's always been, when is it going to happen? How happy are you as a guy who's seen it uh, to see Tony Finau finally get over the hump and get what he really deserves? Yeah. It has nothing to do with Cameron Smith He's a wonderful guy and a tremendous player. And he's going to have a terrific career, but Tony Finau needed that win froggy. He, he needed to get across the finish line. It's one thing in professional sports, especially in golf to get to that point. It's another to cross over that line. He has that win in Puerto Rico. Everybody understands it's a PGA tour win, whether you want to, Dictate it, not you personally, but people want to say it's a B event or right. you know, it's an alternate event, um, those kinds of things. That's for another discussion. Tony has put himself in a position many, many times to get a victory on the PGA Tour, and he just hadn't gotten it done other than that one week in Puerto Rico. He needed that win on Monday at the Northern Trust. He needed to finish an event. He needed to prove it to himself. He needed to prove it to the other guys on the PGA Tour who are his peers, and he is right. as nice a man as I've ever met in professional sports doing this for 31 years. Doesn't matter what sport it is. He is a tremendous guy, Froggy, and everybody is rooting for Tony Finau. Whether you're a fan of his or not, right? as a sports fan, totally different conversation. But to his peers, the people who are around the game on the periphery like we are, uh, even the fans, they understand when they hear him speak. He couldn't be a nicer guy. Does he need to get a little nastier coming down the stretch? <laughs> you could probably make that case. But it was really cool to see him win. And I hope this propels him to do the things that he's capable of doing because he is a world-class player, not only a world-class guy. And that was a big, big win for him on Monday. And that was my next question. Do you believe that this does propel him 
because you've seen it firsthand. You've talked to Tony. You know what area he is. You see the other players on tour. Is this is this the is this what starts the avalanche? You know, it's weird in sports, in golf especially. You know, when Jason Day won the PGA at Whistling Straits, this is not a major championship. It's a FedEx Cup playoff event, but it's a huge win for Tony. So I'm not mm-hmm. comparing anybody's win to win. I'm just using some names. When Jason Day won Whistling Straits in 2015, Froggy. Didn't we all think he'd have one or two more by now? Absolutely. Justin Thomas won the PGA Championship at Quail Hollow in 2017. Hasn't won a major since. McElroy hasn't won one in seven years. My point is not comparing majors to World Golf Championship events to FedEx Cup playoff events, but wins don't necessarily propel you forward to get more wins or even bigger wins. Uh, what I do think is that those three players I mentioned, Rory, Jason, and Justin, world-class players, they're going to be in the Hall of Fame. There's no issue there. My point with Tony is he's not going to rest on his laurels. He's not going to just stop working hard because he got a victory uh, on Monday at Liberty National uh, on the PGA Tour at the Northern Trust. I just think it's really hard to win. You know, Fred Couples played almost 30 years on the PGA Tour. He has 15 career wins. Has that Masters? has two players with 15 career wins in almost 30 years playing regularly on the PGA tour. He's in the world golf hall of fame Froggy. That's a half a win a year. It's really, really hard to win on the PGA tour. So yes, I think it's going to make Tony more confident coming down the stretch, knowing that he can do it, seeing himself finish and get a victory. Does that mean he's going to get more wins? Probably not. But, but he's good think, enough to win on the PGA Tour. Oh, man, absolutely. He will win more, but I'm not so sure that because of what happened on Monday, that's going to make him win more. But I do think confidence is always bred uh, when there's a victory. And, and there's no question that Tony has to be puffing out his chest a little bit internally, not externally, but internally he's got to feel a little bit better about himself. So, yeah, you know, I think he's going to win more. Uh, I just don't know if it's because of what happened on Monday. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to see him win, and it's also nice to see how he handled it. I saw yeah. some social media video fo- footage. He was shaking every single groundskeeper's hand. He wanted to take a picture and shake every one of their hands and thank them personally. And, you know, Tony could be a guy that he's heard all the talk. He's heard all the whispers about when are you going to win? Are you going to win? Do you know how to win? Can you? Are you scared? This, that, and the other. You've choked. He's heard everything. Yeah. And when he did win, he wasn't that guy to go like, ha look, I did it. He right. was as kind of a gentleman as he could ever be. He is as nice a guy, I promise you, as you can possibly imagine. You know, when you are uber talented like that and you reach heights that, you know, the two of us and, and our audience dream of reaching, you know, right. playing professional golf at the highest level, you know, to be able to maintain your, your regularity, <laughs> to maintain your normalness is very difficult. And Tony has managed that well to be incredibly competitive, remain highly confident at what you're trying to do, but also remain being a really good guy and understanding that signing an autograph, taking a picture for a kid or hanging out with the staff who made it possible for you to go out there and play on Monday after a really, really long slog for those guys on the golf course to get it ready for the best players in the world to play. You know, he's got a lot of court awareness. You know, if he was a basketball player, he is he is a tremendous athlete and he has, yeah. you know, a cousin who plays in the NBA. But he's got a lot of court awareness. And and I think everybody in the world of golf is is extremely happy for Tony. But there's no doubt it's not going to change him. Uh, it's not going to make him a different person. Uh, it's just going to make him just a little bit more confident coming down the stretch that maybe some of those putts will fall right. instead of, uh, you know, lipping out. Steve, let me ask you this, and, and and you've met, you know, all all of these gentlemen, and you've talked to them, and you've seen them play golf. Is there something to be said that maybe Tony is too nice? Does he need a little bit of that mean, mean or jerk gene to be able to turn it on down the stretch? You know, I would never be one. I like nice, Froggy. I, I like right. nice guys. I like nice women. I like nice men. I like people who are kind. Uh, but at the end of the day, in sports, I don't care whether it's the gentleman's game of golf, uh, whether it's tennis or the four team sports, whatever your sport may be. When you're coming down the stretch and you have a chance to win, that's the only reason we play sports. Right. The the trophy handing out to kids these days drives me crazy. 
Uh, you're not teaching them anything. I'm not talking about in T-ball when you're four. I'm no. talking about when you get into you know junior high school and high school, you know, you should, you're playing to win. And when you're a professional athlete and you're trying to do something that literally, literally 125 people had a chance to do last year, last week at the Northern Trust, you've got to have some sort of assassin mentality coming down the stretch that blind the blinders are on and everybody else can go blank themselves because I'm trying to win a golf tournament. Amen. Is, is Tony too nice? I mean, yeah. Is there such a thing as being too nice? No, not in life in right. sports. Yes, there is. And there at is. some point you need to be selfish and say, this one's mine, fellas. I'm going to grab it and I'm going to grab it with both hands and I'm not letting go. And I think that that's a learned behavior, you know, Tiger will tell you he learned how to do that, you know, from his father and through his competitiveness and all the experiences that he went through. So maybe it's taken Tony a little bit later in life than some, uh, and probably he's taken a little bit later in life than he would like. Right. But you've got to be an assassin when you have a chance to win because you don't have many chances at victory in this sport. You lose way more often in this sport than oh. you do than you win. So when you have a chance, Froggy, you know, get after it, man. There's nothing wrong with putting the blinders on. No one's going to think you're not a good guy anymore. Go right. ahead and play your butt off those last 18 or nine holes coming down the stretch and tell everybody to just get out of the way. I'm coming down Broadway and I'm grabbing the trophy right in front of me. Yeah, I mean, you've seen it firsthand. We all know what Tiger was like back in the day, but you've seen the, as people like to call it, the kinder, gentler Tiger. But when the when the match is on, if you saw him Sunday at the Masters in 2019, you saw it firsthand in Atlanta. You saw it at the Sozo. He turns everybody else off, and it is all about getting a victory. Yeah, and and what's wrong with that? I mean, Nothing. as a sports fan. That's and, why we play. That's why they keep right. score. Like Tim Tebow, the nicest guy in the world, says. Right. They keep score because there's a winner and a loser. Yeah, it's just exactly That's right. how sports is played. That's the beauty of sports. To me, the beauty of sports is watching the best players in the world, the best athletes in the world, compete under the immense pressure that's in front of them. It doesn't matter whether it's the Northern Trust, the Masters, or week one in the NFL in a couple of weeks. That is some high, high-level drama, man. And it's happening right before us. And it's happening live. So I, I am a big believer uh, in go ahead and do whatever you want to do that's going to take you to the finish line to get a victory. Right. It is not going to be an indication of whether you are a nice guy or not. Jordan Spieth is the nicest guy uh, you can possibly imagine. Tony Finau is as nice as you can be. Justin Thomas is as nice a man as you can be. I promise you, when they're coming down the stretch, they are thinking, Justin and Jordan are thinking of one thing and one thing only. Get my butt to the 18th green to tap in for a win so I can hoist the trophy. The money, the accolades, all the things that come with it are secondary at this point in these guys' career. They have all the money in the world. Tony right. Finau knew he needed to win. He got the job done, and maybe, just maybe, this propels him to do things that everybody thinks he's been able to do the last five or six years that he hasn't been able to accomplish. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with any athlete ever trying to go grab the bull by the horns and get a win. I've, I've never had an issue with that. I think it's awesome to watch it. And then, by the way, when they come off, Froggy, they can be as nice as they can be, congenial, you know, conjugate beautiful sentences verbally yeah. and have a nice time with the media, whatever they want to do. Right. But when they're playing, that's their domain. That's their stage. So let them go. Let them get after it. Let's take a second to talk about the folks over at Encore Golf. Encore has earned a reputation across the golf industry and with golfers everywhere for its combination of value, performance, and customer service. Their team in Buffalo, New York, is flipping the script on golf technology through perimeter-weighted balls made with the high-density particles and proprietary nanotransitional layer offering players enhanced accuracy, control, and distance. Encore recently added the Vero X1 to its suite of award-winning golf balls, one that already included the Golf Digest gold-rated elixir and low-compression Avant 55. Through its full suite of golf balls, Encore can help transform any golfer's game. Visit EncoreGolf.com backslash Travis Fulton for more info about Encore and start revolutionizing your game. Now back to the Stripe Show podcast. I agree. I mean, this week at the BMW Championship, uh, it is round two. 
of the FedEx Cup playoffs. And with Tony winning last week, he's pretty much secured his way in to Atlanta uh, next week. And that's what everybody's jockeying for this week. And the tours were turning to a golf course that I don't. And the, the, one of the reasons I really wanted to talk to you is it favors who we haven't played this golf course before. Right. And so who do you think this golf course favors this week? You know, I was talking to a couple of guys yesterday uh, on the course and the answer is no one. Uh, really? it, it's going to be a golf course where the players are going to score. It's not going to be the Bob Hope. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be not that the Bob Hope's easy, right? It's the Bob Hope, the American Express. Sorry, I apologize. Right. Um, I'm, I'm showing my age there out in the California <laughs> desert. Jesus, Christ. <laughs> holy cow! Uh, but anyway, it hasn't been the Bob Hope in 20 years. Um, so it's not going to be like the California desert in January, where the greens are completely perfect and the conditions are perfect, and these guys are just scoring at will. Right. But I do think you better get to 20 under par this week. Um, you know, if you have length, it'll help, but it's not a long golf course. Uh, it's really hilly. You better be in good condition because it is not an easy walk for these guys. Right. Uh, but if you've come to this point, um, Froggy, there's 69 guys in the field, not 70 because Patrick Reed, uh, isn't, isn't hundred percent healthy and he's right. not able to be there this week. So the 69 guys that were here this week, whether you missed the cut last week or not, you're playing some good golf if you're here. At this right. point in the game. So to me, with the golf course not being incredibly long and with the weather conditions being hot and humid and the golf course being soft because of the weather and also the fact that you know you're going to need to put your foot down on the pedal and score, I think it's a wide open ball game. I think it's going to be a really cool week uh, for fans to watch. People in Baltimore haven't seen PGA Tour golf in 60 years. I know, it's crazy. 60 years. So they're jacked up here. Uh, they're ready to come out and support this event. It's a good sports town. Uh, the Orioles have lost 19 in a row, <laughs> by the way, at yeah. the time we've spoken. It's a plenty of good seats available at Camden Yards, but those people <laughs> will be at Caves Valley uh, this week. It's going to be a lot of fun. So the tour is returning, uh, to, like you said, almost 60 years since they've had a tour event there. And, yeah. and um, it, it does it even it out since it is a place that nobody really is going to be familiar with? Does that make it a more even playing field for everybody? One of the things I get asked all the time, Froggy, is are these guys really as specific as they sound like they are on TV? 141, no, 142, 141, no, 142. Yeah, that's how specific they are because they don't play golf the way we do. We just right. say, oh, 141, give me a nine and I'll just right. try to hit it. You know, exactly. These guys are going to here, 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 you know, like they're, right. they're so specific. So when they're not familiar with a golf course, it's an uneasy feeling uh, for these guys. So they're going to feel it out uh, these couple of days for practice rounds. Uh, and I expect as the week goes on, they'll become more comfortable on the golf course. So the answer is yes. When you are not familiar with the golf course, some guys that come here for outings here and there, you know, everybody knows about Caves Valley. Right. But not everybody has seen Caves Valley, which is one of the reasons it's such a cool thing that they're here this week uh, for the world to see this great golf course. Um, it's hosted a U.S. Senior Open before. It's hosted a Palmer Cup. Uh, there are four guys in the field this week who were in the Palmer Cup in 2007. Um, this is a junior event, an amateur event, and that has no indication. They have no recollection of that from 14 years ago. But, yeah, the lack of familiarity is an uneasy thing for the tour players, Froggy, and it's also something that evens it out uh, for everybody in the field this week. Right. You are listening to the Stripe Show podcast brought to you by Encore Golf. Encore designs high-speed performance golf balls for players of all skill levels and swing speeds. Get fitted for your perfect golf ball now at EncoreGolf.com. So as we continue the FedEx Cup playoffs last week, in the middle of the tournament, while John Rahm is leading the golf tournament and then at the time was leading the FedEx Cup playoffs, he was extremely critical of the FedEx Cup playoff system. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Do you think it needs more tweaks? You know, the only issue I have with the FedEx Cup playoffs now is I don't love the way they do the tour championship next week. I don't love the stat. That was his start. argument. Yeah, I, I, I don't love the staggered start. I don't mind. Look. I think they ought to start from scratch uh, next week. If you make it to the top 30 and you're 30th or you're first, you've had a great season. Now let's go play for the whole thing. You know, 
You can be a wild card like your beloved Tampa Bay Buccaneers, win yep. three road games, and go win the Super Bowl against the favorite Chiefs. Right. You can be the Giants and be a wild card and go play the undefeated Patriots and get the victory. There is no discounting the Buccaneers and Giants victories in those Super Bowls right. because they were wild cards and didn't have better seasons than the teams they played in the playoffs and 100%. also in the Super Bowl. Golf's different than football and the other sports. I understand that, but I still think it ought to be treated the same. Up until this week, do whatever you want. Give the advantage to all the guys who played better in the regular season. 125 last week. Knock it down to 70 this week. If you played well throughout the season, you got your hiccup last week. Colin Morikawa, Kevin Kisner, there are guys like that. Love those guys. Not picking on them, but they didn't play great last week. Right. They didn't help their cause coming into this week, but because they had better regular seasons than most, they made it to the BMW championship. I think that should also take place going into next week. You know, again, let's say Morikawa doesn't play well this week. There's no cut here this week, but he doesn't play well this week and finishes in the bottom tier. Well, he still deserves to be at the tour championship based Absolutely. upon his entire body of work through the regular season. However, Next week, Froggy, to me, the 30th guy is every bit as important as the first guy. And leading up to next week, I understand the system and how it works and making sure that the best players get into the tour championship at East Lake and making sure that the regular season counts. It should count. It should count for a lot, and it matters. But next week should be a sprint to the finish. Four days, get after it for the whole shebang, in my opinion. Right. Well, John Rahm's argument was I could win every single event in yeah. the season, win the first two events in the playoffs. Yeah. And then somebody can, the guy in second place can outscore me by two shots in the last minute and he's the champion. That it yeah. doesn't seem right. And I know that that's a very extreme look at it. That's not going to happen. But if that did happen, is it really a true champion? And I think you're exactly right. I think everybody that it's makes tough. it to Atlanta should have a chance. I, I, because tough. if you're 30th in Atlanta, you don't automatically win if you win the golf tournament, correct? Right, and 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 let's face it, you really don't have a shot uh, if you're if you're twenty fifth to thirtieth. You you really are up against it, you know, being ten shots back. Uh, at the very least, I think they ought to cut the the staggered start in half. Uh, but to me, as a as a golf fan and as a sports fan, it should be you know, look the Super Bowl, the Final Four. I mean, there, there are a lot of examples, <laughs> you know, in hockey and baseball, excuse me, uh, in basketball, they have seven game series, uh, you know, five game series, you know, sometimes in baseball, they shorten it up a little bit. But when you're playing for the title in a one and done scenario, and right. the best scenario I can think of is the final four or the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Wild card teams win, lower seeds win titles in the NCAA tournament. Is it random? Yeah, it's more random, I guess, than a seven-game series, but that's what four days is for. And four days in golf, to me, takes care of that. The best player right. next week, to me, should win the FedEx Cup because they earn the right to get there next week. And, yes, the number one seed is, is benefiting from having a staggered start, but I think you, you risk a runaway, which you don't want. Dustin Johnson sneaky ran away and hid last year. Uh, and also, you're taking away the lower half, the lower third of the field yeah. next week. And, and I, I don't love that. I think if you've earned your way to Eastlake, Froggy, you deserve the right to play the best that week and be the champion. I, that's just how I feel about it. Yeah, Tiger Woods would have another FedEx Cup if it was set up like that. Because as you that know, was the Justin Rose year. Yeah, number 80. He got number 80 there, but he just did. If, if Justin Rose, I think if he three-putted that last hole or didn't make birdie there, I think Tiger would have won both. He would have won the yeah. FedEx Cup. And actually, Billy Horschel, uh, a friend here on the podcast, he was in the mix at one point, too. If, if something had happened, he was in the mix to win the FedEx Cup. He would have been his second one. So I just don't want anything goofy to happen. And I, right. I think that when you have a scenario in sports, and this is the only one that I can think of in sports that has a staggered start like that, when you have a scenario like they have in place next week, Froggy, man, aren't you running the risk of something goofy happening? And mm -hmm. if something goofy happens, if it would have been the Tiger Woods year, come on, man. You know, imagine him not getting his 80th win because of something goofy with scoring 
I, I just think that they're running a, they're, they're risking too much. Right. Uh, and also, you know, the integrity of the competition, you can go there, blah, blah, blah. But to me, when you start a golf tournament, everybody starts at zero. Everybody yeah. starts at even par and that's the way it should be. And, you know, Sprint uh, to the finish. I think so. I, I think it'd be really, really cool uh, if they did that, but you know, I'm not, I'm not in charge, man. I'm right. Just, you know. Me either. <laughs> Thank goodness. Um, so when we're done, with the FedEx Cup, we are going to move on to the Ryder Cup. And the Ryder Cup talk has just been, you know, crazy lately. So so I think right now the points are set. We've got Colin, uh, DJ, Bryson, Brooks Kepka, JT, and Finau. Those six are in. Tony Finau played his way into the sixth spot last week with the victory. Uh, so now we've got the captain's picks coming up. And because of what happened with Billy Horschel, back when he won the FedEx Cup and went on the run, he didn't make the FedEx Cup team. They've moved that picking to now after the tour championship, who do you think are the guys that are most likely to get picked when Stricker makes his picks for the Ryder cup? I think Shoffley's automatic. Uh, I think Spieth is automatic. Okay. I think Patrick Reed, if he's healthy is automatic. Okay. Um, and we're, you know, we're, what are we, four weeks away, yeah. uh, four weeks away. So Patrick should be healthy uh, by then. I think Cantley is an automatic pick. So I okay. think they're going to be, I think there are two picks uh, that are still available. You know, I think a Harris English deserves a pick. Um, Absolutely. So that, that would be five. Um, and then you get into some tricky spots there. Yeah, but I your next guys are Berger, Simpson, uh, Scheffler, and right. Horschel. Yeah, you've got experience in a Webb Simpson. Right. You've got a FedEx Cup champion who got completely screwed in 2014 uh, when he won the BMW and the Tour Championship and wasn't able to go over to Glen Eagles uh, to help the Americans try to win the Cup. And Billy Horschel. Um, and Billy, yeah, Billy's in the mix. I mean, right. so I think that at the end of the day, and look, man, I'm a big believer that let's get some fresh blood in there and let's get some guys who have some stones. Um, you know, the retreads don't do it for me. However, right. however, if I was the captain, that'd be a tough, tough, tough decision. That last pick is tough. It's tough because you want experience. But you also want to, you know, get somebody in there who's going to – Scotty Scheffler's going to play in multiple Ryder Cups, you right. know, guys like that. To me, I would take Simpson, Horschel, or Kisner because I think they have the biggest stones. I think they've been in the fray. Uh, Kisner didn't play well last week, missed the cut at the Northern Trust, coming off that win at Greensboro. I think if he would have played well last week, I think he'd not a lock but I think he would have been someone who would have been highly, highly, highly considered. So he needs to play well uh, this week and next. Um, Billy Horschel uh, should have been on that team in 2014, not just because he's friends with me and you, Froggy, but because <laughs> he deserved to be on that team. So, Absolutely. And Webb Simpson is a major champion, a player's champion, and he's played in these things uh, multiple times. So it's a tough one. I, I would probably go with those five, and then to me it would be a – Let's see who's playing the best this week and next week between Horschel, Kisner, and Webb Simpson. Yeah, I mean, you have to think that uh, um, Stricker, Furick, and Zach Johnson, they're all, you know, talking tough, amongst themselves. But at the same time, they're all watching. They're all, they're all trying to see exactly Absolutely. who are those last, uh, last one or two picks when they go to fill in. And, and obviously, team chemistry is going to be something to – uh, be discussed with Brooks and Bryson being on the same team. We have not seen them paired together. Even by chance, I just kept hoping someday we'd get them paired together. Hasn't happened. So there's a team chemistry issue there to to, to solve as well. I think it's going to be really interesting how Stricker, Furick, and Zach Johnson, three, like, wonderful guys. Right. Um, you know, they don't – this is not – this is not a disparaging remark at all. I, I love Tom Watson. I mean, Tom Watson is one of the biggest hard asses of all time. Right. He, he the, Steve Stricker, it doesn't have that gear. Steve Stricker's no. more like Tony Finau um, <laughs> than he is like Tom Watson. And I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how that dynamic plays out. You got some big personalities in that room. For sure. Um, you got a lot of egos in that room. Um, you can't be great without having that ego, that confidence, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle all of that team chemistry. I've always thought is a little overblown uh, in a Ryder cup and a president's cup situation. 
I don't know this year, man. <laughs> this year, there going to be some tricky pairings there uh, for the captain. Sunday singles, go ahead. Do whatever you want to do. But Friday and Saturday, morning and afternoon, it's going to be interesting to see who's playing with whom. How do you like our chances this year? Our meaning the Americans? Americans. Yeah, you see, that's a, that's a nasty rule at, at NBC and Golf Channel. It's not ours and theirs. It's right. not us and them. It's Americans, okay. it's USA, it's red, white, and blue. How do you like team, team USA's team chances USA, this year? Man, I, I got to get in that Ryder Cup mode, Froggy, or else I'll get yelled <laughs> at by Tommy Roy. I don't want to do that. Uh, you know, look, I've always thought in the President's Cup and the Ryder Cup, if the Americans play well, they're going to win. Because top to bottom, they're better. Right. But in the Ryder Cup, unlike the President's Cup, uh, you have four matches going on, not five. And you don't have – you have four players sitting out each session. And then Sunday, everybody plays. So you don't have to hide anybody. I hate the word hiding. But you right. don't have to play four guys. So if you happen to have four guys not playing well, well, then it should be relatively easy to make your pairings as far as each session goes. So having said that, look at the list of players there. The 12 players on the American side, if they play well, should win. I think. And I think they'll win. And I think that the Americans will step up. I think the Europeans will also play well. But I think that overall, over the course of the three days, Froggy, if the Americans play well, they should win. It's crazy how Ian Poulter just seems to make every single putt. And I, I don't know if he is qualified by points, but you have to think if he's not qualified by he's points. He's a pick. He's an automatic pick. Automatic that guy, pick. I mean, it's like automatic. putting into a garbage can when he's, when he's in. All, all, I have no inside intel. I have not spoken to Ian. I have not spoken to the captain, Padraig Harrington. But, Froggy, if Ian Poulter is not there whistling straight to September, then you and I should just retire and go to the beach. I agree with you 100%. You know, it's crazy when you see now, you know, I know we have a lot of PGA Tour events, but in your opinion and what you have seen amongst players, as far as the importance of tournaments to win, you've got the four majors, but then we've got the players. We've got the Ryder Cup. We've got the FedEx Cup. We've got the WGC events. We've got the President's Cup. Where do these fall as far as importance to players and where they schedule and where they try to peak at the right times for? You know, that's a good question. Um, look, the majors are the biggest events in golf. The players is the biggest PGA Tour event uh, on the schedule. Right. The WGCs are seemingly going away, um, but they have always had tremendous fields uh, mm -hmm. the last, you know, 20 years or so. Uh, and then you've got the FedEx Cup, which is – becoming bigger every year has become what the tour wanted it to become when it started in 2007. And as I was telling Billy Horschel last night, when I saw him, it's a resume thing. When you, when you talk about someone's resume, Froggy, for instance, you just heard me say Fred couples has 15 wins, two masters, uh, masters and two players. Uh -huh. Well, the FedEx cup is now on that list. Correct. You have your win total, your major total, your players total, and your FedEx Cup total. It's, that's the stature that the FedEx Cup has risen to, and it deserves to because it is a very, very big deal in golf. I think everybody always wants to play for um, their country uh, or their continent if you're from Europe, uh, and I think the Ryder Cup is a massive event in golf. Happens every other year, uh, hopefully. Uh, happens every other year, and you know it's something that's always on the minds of players uh, along with the president's cup as well. If you're from the United States or if you're from countries outside of Europe, but you know, they all mean something. They all matter. Uh, you try not to tear events going back to the original thing with Tony Finau was that first win a B event. I, I don't like saying that. Right. It's still um, a PGA tour event. It's still a PGA tour. Best event. players in the world are playing. Exactly. You have to beat the best players in the world, but you know, the majors, the players, the FedEx cup, the Ryder cup, to me, are the biggest events in all of golf. I agree with you, actually. So before we let you go, we got to get into some Tiger talk because you have been front row witness to some of the greatest things we've ever seen in golf. And so you called Tiger's 80th at Atlanta, which I think there was a time many people, including Tiger himself, had said, 
it might not happen again. And you were there on the 18th green as that crowd happened in the fairway behind him and Rory. Can you just explain what that was like, what the sound was like? It was, I think the loudest thing I've ever heard in golf was the 2016 Ryder Cup at Hazeltine. If you remember the scene with all the fans circled around those last few holes, and it was the, the most raucous I've ever heard uh, anything in golf. Uh-huh. It was sports loud, not golf loud. Uh-huh. For one moment in time, and, and I make fun of Atlanta as a sports town because I always just joke, it's just a soft sports town. <laughs> they care about the Georgia Bulldogs more than they care about you know, anything else. And that's college and college always is rowdier uh, than professional. But that moment, Frog, man, oh man, watching those people come down 18, watching them all gather around with McElroy and Tiger trying to finish. And then just the, the constant roar of, you know, Tiger Woods, that kind of stuff. And just the incredible emotion and cheers uh seeing him win for the first time since 2013 having it be his 80th which like birthdays victories in sports it's not like it's any different than 79 or 81 but it's just right. like when zeros and fives are involved right. you better step up and get your wife a nicer present and it's it's in tiger's case it was his 80th it had been a long time um it was at a big event at a big venue uh, and no matter what he does, it's amplified. And man, it was loud. It was emotional. I'm a crier by nature. Probably, uh-huh. I don't know if you are. I mean, I uh-huh. cry when the national anthem is sung well at a sporting event. I'm, I'm terrible. And right. Tiger got emotional, which doesn't happen often. Uh, he knew the enormity of the moment. Um, and I just wanted to make sure that, you know, we asked him, you know, three or four pertinent questions that were not what was it like to hit a six iron to a back right pin from 184 right. into a cross breeze, you know, three or four kind of meaningful questions, you know, that would elicit a great response from him. And uh, he went there with us uh, and it was a special, special moment. And it was, it was to say the least, it was very, very cool uh, to be standing there. It was, it was amazing to be in that, in that arena there uh, watching him, you know, soak in the fans, you know, he doesn't do that often. Right. Uh, Especially early in his career, he allowed them in. And I thought it was a wonderful thing uh, to see. uh, And he and he gave it back to them, which is also a nice give and take when an athlete of his stature does that. It was it was amazing. It was it was a thrilling, thrilling moment. No question about it. How many Tiger victories have you been present for? You know, someone asked me that like two weeks ago, and I I never looked it up, but he has 82 wins. I've been doing this at the Golf Channel and NBC since 2001. So, been around you know, for a lot of them. You know, probably a lot of them. You know, uh, some of them before I got before I started working at NBC, I worked uh, a lot of Golf Channel events that were on CBS. So I was still at them. Uh, but as far as being in the booth or being in the tower or being the guy interviewing them on the green. It's been a lot, man. I mean, it's, you know, look, as I said, we're only as smart as the people we speak to. And you're only as good as the event that's taking place in front of you. And when you're at a Tiger event, it's special. There's nothing you can, you can say otherwise. It's, he's one of the two best players in the history of the sport. He's the most famous athlete on the planet, even today. And he hasn't played, um, you know, since his unfortunate car accident. And, you know, to be in this sport, to do what we do for a living as a sportscaster, and to be able to witness some of those things in person, you know, like calling the 82nd, you know, I've joked with Tiger before, you know, there are only two guys who do it for a living, for the most part on network television, Dan Hicks, who's our guy, and Jim Nance, who's on CBS. And here I am with Frank Nabolo in the booth at the Zozo Championship, as he's trying to tie the all-time wins record with Sam Snead uh, with 82 in Tokyo in 2019. And I've joked with Tiger before, when you're a grandfather and you're just sitting there and you roll out the DVD or the VHS or whatever tape they have, you know, back in the future in 40 years, and I'm the clown who's calling your 82nd win, I apologize in advance. 
are you ever nervous, Steve, when it when when it's over and you're understanding the enormity of what's happening, and he's approaching you after that putt? Are you ever ner- nervous, or have you done it so many times now that it's no longer nerves? Well, I think you get nervous, uh, but as I tell my kids, or I tell anybody who asks that question, to me. You know, look, I played high school football and basketball. I never got to college and I wasn't good enough to go play, you know, beyond high school. To me, there are only two ways to handle nerves. You either embrace them or you fight them. And to me, when you get nervous, that means you care. And Uh I think that, look, as I left the tower to go down to the ground to do the Tiger interview on Sunday at Eastlake, when he won for the 80th time with all those people around going crazy, you know, hearing, by the way, is the most difficult thing because there's, you can't hear because there's so many right. people there. So as I was going down there, I remember thinking, <clears throat> to be fair, I remember thinking, you know, your heart's pumping a little bit and you're a little bit nervous, but your sports nervous, you know, it's, it's not a, you know, nerves like you've never been there before. It's, it's a sports nerves, which is a good thing. And I remember thinking, you know, it's a big spot. You know, right. and you're and, selfishly pulling for him to pull this off for, you know, for both for him and for yourself. Well, I mean, you know, you just you just want to see the best out of athletes and you want to see the best moments take place when you're doing them. Right. You know, you want Michael Phelps to win because you're the one calling it. You know, right. you want Tiger to be the guy who finishes first in that scenario. Not that you're rooting against Rory or anybody else in the field, but it's Tiger Woods and he's right. going to win his 80th and you Absolutely. have a chance to be the guy who interviews him. So yeah, I, I've been nervous. Um, I remember telling my mom one time, the first time I ever did my Olymp- the Olympics, the first time I was ever on TV uh, at an Olympic games, I remember thinking, man, there are a lot of people watching this. <laughs> and I got nervous. My mom was like, what was that like? She goes, I was home watching and I was so nervous. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's it's a good thing to be nervous, Froggy. You know that whether, whether you're yeah. on the first tee with your buddies and you're playing a five dollar Nassau, it means or you whether care. You've got millions and millions of people watching on television, uh, and you're about to interview Tiger Woods. You don't want to screw it up. You want to ask the right questions. You want to make sure you're not part of the story and that you elicit the best answers from a guy like Tiger or whoever else is winning. Uh, and you want the audience to be able to walk away and go, "Okay, I just watched him compete for four hours. Now I'm going to hear him talk about it." And hear about how important it is to him. Uh, and yeah, I, I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you that I wasn't thinking about all that uh, as I ran onto the green. But man, it was it was fun, man. If you don't like being in those situations, it's like Finau. Finau can't close. Finau this, Finau that. Let me tell you something. He loves being in the fray. He loves being in the moment. And Monday was his time. Right. It hasn't been his time other than Puerto Rico on Monday. For someone like me or someone like you who's doing what we do for a living, you know, if you don't enjoy being in the fray in big spots, then you're doing the you shouldn't wrong be thing. doing it. You're doing the wrong thing. Agree 100 percent. And maybe you've already answered this question, but through your 20 years of doing this, what would you say your most memorable moment is that you will always cherish the most? Oh, man. Um, well, the interview on the 18th green when he won his 80th in front of, you know, those thousands of people going bananas. um was was as cool as it gets being the guy who was you know it's a it's a privilege to do what we do it's not a right uh to be in the booth to be the play-by-play guy calling what could be his last ever win on the pga tour to tie sam sneed yeah for the all-time wins record to be the voice of record on that you know is pretty cool um not to tiger you to death but uh when he came back from his injury at the bahamas I happened to be the guy in the booth that Thursday for the golf channel, you know, when he hadn't played in 300 some odd days, right. Uh, that was just a December golf tournament, end of November the hero. Golf tournament. It was the hero world challenge in the Bahamas, yeah. but because it was him and his return, that was a big deal. Um, I remember uh, interviewing at Doral like 15 years ago, 16 years ago, Tiger and Roger Federer, when they were both number one in the world, at the same time and Roger's agent saying they had never been interviewed on television together before. Wow. Any chance I can get a copy of that. And I was like, yeah, sure. Uh, So I thought that was really cool. I mean, I've been, I've been so lucky Frog. I mean, honestly, it's, you know, 
I just, I don't know how to explain to you how lucky I've been to be able to be there uh, for some of the greatest moments in the last 20, 21 years in this sport. Uh, you know, I've done a lot of other sports, uh, but golf has been the one um, calling card for the last 20, 21 years. And it just so happens to be in an era uh, where Tiger has elevated uh, the sport to heights that it's never seen before. And uh, we're all just lucky to be a part of it. But those, oh, those, those, are, those are three or four that, that I could think of off the top of my head. And by the way, never, ever worry about tigering me to death. You can talk about Tiger from now <laughs> until the end of time. And I just, I, I find what he's done amazing. Uh, I'll never give up on him. I know right now he's in a spot that's probably not lending itself to us seeing him play professional golf again. And that's really not what, not, not what's important Him being right. a father and, and, and being there for his children and his family is much more important. And I get that, but I'll never give up on him. I'll, I'll never say never, you never know what we may see again, but he really has provided us. And obviously you firsthand uh, some front row moments that are just mind boggling uh, the things that he can accomplish. And I think other tour players even sometimes shocks them at the things he's able to accomplish yeah I, I think it'd be a mistake do you feel like you are constantly overshooting greens or coming up short because you choose the wrong club well if that's the case today is your lucky day because i'm proud to announce my brand new partnership with the boys over at pinned golf their brand new ace rangefinder is amazing and it's only 199 dollars. i've been using it for a couple weeks now and i was blown away with the quality, it has a slope technology, pin locked vibration technology. So you know exactly when you are locked onto your target tour lever accuracy. And best of all, it is powered by a USB charge. So you can forget about those little batteries. Every other rangefinder makes you buy one 45 minute charge lasts you 50 plus rounds. I love it. Our friends over at Pin Golf are hooking up all of our listeners with $25 off and free shipping when you use code Stripe Show. That's code Stripe Show. I'm telling you, for $175, you simply cannot beat the Ace Rangefinder. Head out over to pingolf.com and get yourself the Ace and get dialed in. 